Hello and welcome to the Blue Collar Yields podcast. I am your host, Tom Migliaccio. At Blue Collar Yields, we will talk about real estate, entrepreneurialism, and many other topics. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts. And while there, don't forget to rate this show and subscribe. Our next guest is Ren Sicalese. Ren is the managing shareholder of Alloy Silverstein, a regional full-service accounting and advisory firm headquartered in southern New Jersey. Ren started at Alloy in 1980 as a tax season temp and now runs the firm that includes three companies and over 50 employees. Ren's specialty, amongst other things, is to help his business owner clients maximize their profit. He believes in shooting straight and providing his clients with the best advice, even if it isn't exactly what they want to hear. In addition to helping his clients, Ren puts on regular events called Alloy Academy Workshops, which are free to attend and open to the public. I attended a session and got to hear Ren talk to small business owners about startups. Where else can you get free advice from a managing partner of a distinguished accounting firm? Alloy also has a payroll company, Abacus Payroll, and a wealth management firm. Ren, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Yeah, of course. So let's jump right into it. Ren, you started as a tax time temp, and now you're at the top position in the firm. Any secrets on how to get there? And I bet it just wasn't by punching the clock. Can you tell us what steps you actually took? I've been at 900 Kings Highway for 40 years, and I still come in around 6 a.m. every morning. I don't really look at a clock. I just get up and go to work when I get up in the morning. It really amazes me how staff that are scheduled to come in around 8, go in the parking lot at 7.30, and sit there doing whatever they're doing to 7.59. I think the way you achieve is working really hard and doing what you need to do when nobody's looking. So, you know, I get up in the morning and I show up for work and when I'm finished doing what I need to do for that day, that's when I go home. Not when, as they say, Fred Flintstone punches the clock out at 5 o'clock. That's some really great advice. So you don't set an alarm when you wake up? No, I don't set an alarm, but there's alarm set. But as I get older, I'm always up before that alarm. That's great. And then prior to your start with Alloy, what was your first job? And what lesson did you learn that you carried forward into your professional career? I think my first job was when I was about 13 or 14. I worked in a car wash for a dollar an hour. And I like to say a dollar an hour and all the spare change I could pick up in the back seat. What did I learn from that job? I realized you can't just dial it in. You know, people, there's different people, different customers who like their car done a certain way. And you have to work really hard at satisfying that client, that car wash person. They want their car done a certain way. Some don't care. Some are just getting the mud off for the last six months, and somebody comes in there two, three times a week just to get their car washed. They want it perfect. They want it perfect all the time. And I think at that early age, I realized there's different clients or different customers that want things done their way, and you have to accommodate that client. So it's safe to say that you were doing suitability while cleaning cars at 13 years old. I guess you could say that I 
realized it, I didn't know what the hell I was doing because I was only 13 and the only thing I was interested in was girls and baseball. And all I was doing was paying attention to what the client wanted because, you know, at times you're working getting tips. And if you took care of somebody, they took care of you, so to speak. Is there a specific mentor that comes to mind that helped mold your work ethic and helped you grow as a professional? I would think that it's probably my mom, believe it or not. My dad died when I was nine. My brother was six and my sister was four. And my mom was 33, I think, back then, in 1966. She had a nine, six, and four-year-old, no insurance house. She got up every day. She could not, you know, take a day off. She worked. She worked really hard. She had a unique position where her boss changed every four or five years at a church she was working at. So you saw what my mom did for a nice boss, somebody who gave her 20 bucks out of the collection basket, so to speak, if we broke a window and the other one who could care less. My mom worked really hard her entire life, and my brother, my sister, and I all have what we call the Sicilese uh, work ethic. So you're nine years old. You take on more responsibility than the typical nine-year-old. Do you think that also played a key factor in where you are today and that that's where you are because you were thrown in a situation at a young age and you were still able to come out on top? Absolutely. What I say is I've been handling money since I was nine. My dad died in January, and in May I had to come up with the money for the Mother's Day present. And I've been coming up with uh, money ever since then. So I've been handling money since I was nine. And it made me more serious, and it made me realize that life doesn't always have a happy ending. So things happen, and sometimes you have to grow up faster than other people. So in your bio, it says not your typical accountant. What sets Ren apart from other CPAs? I'm a straight shooter. I tell clients what they need to hear, whether or not they want to hear it. And my job as an advisor is to keep clients out of trouble, even though when they're begging to get into trouble. So a lot of times when you're dealing with high net worth individuals, they're not used to hearing somebody say, no, you can't do that. I feel I'm responsible and they're paying me for my opinion, so I have to give it. And I use a line every once in a while to say, look, if you want somebody's opinion, I'm your guy. If you want somebody to agree with you, I'll introduce you to my partners. Now, some people don't want to hear no, but my job is to tell them what they need to hear so they can make a rational decision, not just bulldoze their way and doing what they want to do. So how do you tow that line where people are paying for your advice? And just to put a high-level overview on it, I know you're more than this, but you're essentially their vendor, and they might not like exactly what you're saying to them. How do you deliver that message? Are you just straightforward with them or do you preface it at all? Like, hey, you're not going to like what I'm about to say. I tell them that from the very beginning that some days they're going to hear me say what they don't want to hear. And most of my clients want that. And the clients that don't like hearing me say no may not be my client for a long period of time. I have long-term relationships. I went out to lunch on Monday of this week with a client that's been my client since 1980, right? He's actually my first client, and we've gone through 
various cycles with him, but you know, the idea is that when he has a question, he's going to hear what he needs to hear, not what he wants to hear. But a lot of clients, a lot of CPAs or a lot of advisors are afraid to tell the client something different because they're afraid they're going to lose the account. Well, the reality of it is, yeah, you have a fear, but you're getting paid to do what you're supposed to do and for your opinion, and you need to give it. And how long did that take you to figure that out? Was that something from day one that you came in with, or was that sort of a learning curve that you adjusted to over time? I think that's in my DNA. <laughs> I've always been one to be a straight shooter. I've always been one that if everybody else is thinking it, I'm the one that says it. And people like that. They, well, most people say they like it until you're being a straight shooter with them. Then all of a sudden, they may not agree to it. So you briefly touched on this on your last answer, which was great. Alloy has been a staple in Southern New Jersey's business community since 1959. How has Alloy managed to navigate through more challenging business cycles? An example would be something like the Great Recession. So we have a really solid base, and because we're accountants, we run lean and mean. We put, I like to think we put the mothership first, and that's the, the firm of Alloy Silverstein. That comes first. That comes before the individual partner's needs, personal needs. So if you take care of the business, everything else falls in line. And I think with the Great Recession, what that did was they that eliminated a lot of marginal businesses. So what's happened is that since 2008, there hasn't been many new businesses started. There used to be a lot of people that wanted to start. They could get financing and they were starting a business, whether or not they had a plan or a business plan or not. You could call a bank up and say, hey, I need X amount of dollars and get it without much documentation. Since 2008, there's been more required documentation. The banks seem to be a little stingy on lending, and there's not as many businesses starting in office buildings, whatever, but there's more guerrilla-type businesses to people working out of their house, selling things on eBay, selling things on Amazon. And what's happened is there just isn't as many new businesses. And though in 2008, you may stutter step, you're not going to go out of business if you have a good, solid business. But I like to think we have a good, solid business here. Right. And then when people think of CPAs, they usually think of tax time. But CPA firms do so much more than tax preparation. Could you please tell us the various ways that CPA firms such as Alloy serves their client? So we do tax prep, similar to most firms, but we like to think we do tax planning and be proactive in tax planning. We do audit work, bookkeeping work. We have a cloud service division, cloud accounting division, where we'll go in and become the virtual CFO for our clients and do automation of their accounting process and set the clients up with dashboards so they can get almost real-time information. We like to think that we don't want to tell you history, that we don't want to go into our clients and tell them what they did last year, but we want to try to help our clients design their future. So we're really proactive in doing litigation support, valuation. We have two ancillary businesses, financial services and payroll. Abacus Payroll that help our clients do the day-to-day operations so they can spend time on the business that they're in as opposed to the bookkeeping or backroom stuff. So starting a business can be daunting, 
What are the advantages of having a CPA as an advisor as you launch your new business? I think we become your hub where we become the quarterback. What I found is a lot of the new businesses, we live in a cut-and-paste world where they go in, they look in Google an agreement, and then what they do is they make that agreement their agreements, their operating agreements, their partnership agreements, their shareholders' agreements. And all they're doing is cut and paste. And the problem is they don't have a foundation for the business or a solid foundation. So what happens is when you're using an accounting firm or a CPA, we're making you do things that are specific to your business with your documentation, and it's customized. It's not cut and paste. It's not boilerplate. And what we find is a lot of problems occur later on. It may not be the first six months. It may not be a year. But what happens is those documents that you have or your foundation, and then when you have other partners and there's partners' disagreements, those documents, which what you have to live by, and there's litigation. I'm working on two cases now where there were what I call cut-and-paste documents that shareholders came in. They were trying to take over and take the majority ownership away from the founding partners, and they were stuck with the documents they signed five, six years ago, and in some cases, the documents you never really signed. So there's a lot of housekeeping that the CPA will make you do or the attorney will make you do that will protect you down the line as the founder. So in addition to having a CPA on board, what other professionals should a business owner have on their team? I think attorneys definitely is needed. A banker, a good, solid relationship with a bank, perhaps a pension administrator. But there's also, and you may not hear this often, is I like to think that you need a friendly competitor or an association, a trade association, so to speak, in your business, but somebody that is out of your market that you can pick up the phone to and talk about what they're doing in a case that is not your competitor. You know, just this morning, I emailed a retired managing partner out of New Mexico that I've been calling off and on for the last 10 years that, Whenever I have a situation with the firm that I need somebody else's second opinion on, I pick up the phone, call him up, and we kick it around because he's got a little bit more senior years than I have. Uh, unfortunately, as you get older, your network of people may pass or may retire, so you may not have those hourly you know, Silverstein that passed over the last few years. I used to call Ray and Marvin up all the time and say, what do you think? But when those resources go away, you need somebody out of your market that you can pick up the phone and have a frank conversation with so that you get somebody else's opinion or you get a second opinion. That is really great advice. And that was an awesome answer. You briefly touched on this, but let's get into more of this. How important is it to have an accountant that is intimately familiar with your business and just doesn't do the debit and credits? I think what happens is a lot of people, when they go and get an accountant, First, they may not know the difference between an accountant and a CPA, and they shop price, and they look at it as a vendor, just like 
you know, they're driving down the street and they see gas on one side of the street is X amount of dollars and the other side is pennies less. So they go into the one with a couple cents less and they just shop price. But what they really realize is that when you have somebody that's just filling out your historic data and not giving you input, you might be overpaying. It's important not to overpay for supplies, just like an accountant may help you not overpay for supplies, but might somebody worth their soul is going to also look at your tax liability and make sure that you're not overpaying your taxes. Recently, we've encountered somebody where we went out to look at a new client, got three years' worth of tax returns. And when I looked at the returns, I noticed there wasn't a research and the development credit on the tax return and a domestic producer's deduction. And what we found was the client was overpaying taxes about $80,000 a year for 15 or 20 years. You said $80,000 every year for 15 to 20 years? Okay. Mm-hmm. And what he did is when we sat there and did the numbers, I told him what our fee would be, and his comment was, that's twice what the other guy was charging. And I sat there and said, I just saved you $75,000. All right? A year. The other guy didn't cost you 7500 bucks. The other guy cost you eighty-seven five. Because you've overpaid your taxes, but you didn't know that. And we had a meeting with the old accountant, and the old accountant said, frankly, I didn't even know that was a deduction available. So there's a lot of things that a good firm or a sizable firm may have available, or the knowledge base might be bigger than a smart guy working out of their house that you may not be aware because a lot of times they don't, they, you, the taxpayer, don't know there isn't even a deduction or a credit available. And what we usually do is when we go in and look at a potential client, we usually ask for three years tax returns because during those three years, that three-year period is what you can go back and amend to fix things. So that client who overpaid his taxes for a period of time only to go back for three years and amend those returns. The other seven to 10 to 15 years weren't able to go back and get those refunds. Yeah, and they lost it, and that's it. They were closed years. Yeah. So I think it's really important to have somebody who has the resources to be able to tell you what you need to do. All right? How did Alloy Financial Service and Abacus get started? Oh, about 20 years ago, what we saw was the the margins and automation in the accounting firm was driving the revenues down and or the profitability down. And we looked at all the services we were doing and the services that we were referring out. And we frankly decided to recapture the revenue streams. So we, at the time, were giving... ADP and paychecks, a lot of referrals from our accounting base, but we started Abacus, for example, because we heard our clients complaining that whenever they called the big national firms, the people there were 
only there for a few weeks or a few months and then change, and there's always somebody new. So we decided to start apparel companies because we've had long-term employees. The people working at my firm now have been here 12, 13, 15 years. When you call, it's the same people. And we felt a better need for coordination between the accounting department and the accounting firm and the payroll and financial services. And it's the same thing with financial services. We referred a lot of work out to third parties, and our clients really weren't comfortable with those third parties. When we come in, we look at stuff, and we do things like CPAs, and we do asset allocation, asset allocation, asset allocation. And we require and want our clients to have meetings that are regularly scheduled. So as life events change, we can make adjustments for those clients and their investments. I've got to ask, who came up with that awesome name, Abacus? And for people who don't know what that is, it's an old accounting tool that they use prior to written numbers. I came up with the name, and the reason I came up with the name back then, for the people that don't know what a Yellow Pages thing is, <laughs> I, I went into looked at the Yellow Pages and came up with a, an accounting term that actually could risk us first, and that's why I came up with Abacus. That's a very cool story. Right. And another cool thing is Alloy assists pro athletes with their finances. I think it's great considering how many professional athletes struggle to manage the windfall they receive during their peak earning years. When you meet a pro athlete for the first time, is there just some sort of blanket piece of advice that you give to them? Yeah, actually, it's actually funny. When I dealt with my first athlete, the first guy I got 10, 15 years ago. His agent was taking care of his checkbook, had all his money coming in, and his agent was giving him money. And his, his agent was doing work for him in charging him, what, $30,000 or $50,000 to do absolutely nothing. And the first thing I did to the that client, I usually send all my professional athletes three articles. One is how to lose $20 million. There's a Sports Illustrator article called Broke that I said that they did a 30 for 30 on and a third article, I don't remember what it is. But I tell them to read these articles, but the first thing I tell them after that is, trust no one with your money, not even me. I'm going to die one day. And nobody looks after your money like you look after your money. You have to be a grown-up and take care of this. I get it. You want to play golf. You want to play baseball. You want to play football. But it's your responsibility to know what this is and not depend on third parties. And you have to learn this. When I call you, you need to answer the phone and call me back. You need to be a grown-up. And some of them like it. Some of them don't. But the reality of it is they need to be educated with regard to finances. Everybody needs to be educated. It's not just pro athletes. There's a lot of talk about financial education in the school systems, but there's not enough. We're actually, I'm in the middle of talking to Girl Scouts where we're trying to get our staff accredited for next summer to do some in-house programs for local Girl Scouts on finances because there's go through the entire process. And what we find is somebody that's you know 25 years old who's never reconciled their checking account more do they know how much money they have in their checking account. Yeah. They just, you know, everything's a debit card. 
and they don't really know exactly what they have. So it's really about educating the professional athlete, but it's also about educating professional athletes, doctors, and lawyers regarding finances because a lot of people don't have the background or education that they should have. Alloy offers services for family offices. Can you please explain to our listeners what a family office is? So you're dealing with high net worth individuals, and I'm talking millions and billions of dollars. So they have interest in real estate, businesses, they have investments in hedge funds, they have a little bit of everything. And what Alloy does is goes in and becomes their back office because they may need monthly financial statements, they need cash flow, they may need their personal bills paid. And what it does is it's really an accounting department for high net worth individuals that have multiple businesses, multiple investments over the world. And what we'll do is come in, pay the bills, we'll do the financial statements, we'll coordinate tax planning, we'll do succession planning for them because it's usually dealing with multiple generations of people. And it's a little bit of everything, tax and accounting, advisory, estate planning, that they need more than somebody that is middle class living in suburbia. Right. Yeah. And ultra high net worth families, they face unique challenges, you know, in regards to estate tax and succession planning. What problems does Alloy solve for their high net worth families? I like to say organization is the key to life. And you come in and bring in an accountant who is very well organized and making sure that usually the high net worth person is busy living his life and not taking care of the minutiae that investments and taxes need to take care of. So when we come in, we know what taxes are due, when they're due, what K-1s are still missing to do their tax return. When we hear talk that there's a large capital gain or there's a sale happening, we may be doing tax planning for them. And what we do is we leave the minutia to us and the client can go do what he needs to do. And we sit down with the client in a more organized, efficient manner than the client who is really too busy to worry about whether this K-1 came in or not came in or where his money goes. We keep track of the money. That definitely solves a lot of their problems. So you briefly touch on this again. You've been awesome. You kind of been touching on all things, and we're both golf guys, so we'll say we've been teeing it up for me. So a lot of high net worth families are interested in tax benefits that come with investing in commercial real estate. Can you walk us through some of the tax benefits that come to mind? With commercial real estate, there's a couple things. It's really deferral taxes. With real estate, when you go in and buy real estate, you're able to depreciate the building so that if you go in and look at a building, you buy it for a million bucks, the land is worth 10% of it, or you have $900,000. What happens is that $900,000 in building costs is allowed to be depreciated, and that depreciation shelters maybe your other income. So what will happen is we'll go in and look at what the real estate investment will shield as far as tax. And then later on in life, when you sell that property, you'll be able to get capital gains tax treatment on it, which is a reduced tax rate. So what happens with real estate, there's a lot of little 
things that you can do to shelter your other income. And, you know, capital gains rate is the third tax rate. In addition to that, when you buy a piece of property, a building, we go in and we coordinate with an engineering firm to do a cost segregation study. And what a cost segregation study is that when you have a building, it's, you know, in a lot of cases, the small individual practitioners or whoever may only set it up as land and building. But we go in and do a study and look at the components of the building, the door jams, the porcelain in the ladies' room and the men's room, the air conditioning units, and try to get shorter useful lives in recovery periods so that you can depreciate that, those assets over a shorter period of time to create a bigger cash flow in the beginning so you accelerate the depreciation. Yeah, that's great. And then right. another tax benefit that a lot of real estate investors accumulate wealth by deferring the payments of capital gains through what's called a 1031. Can you please explain for the listeners what a 1031 exchange is and how you've seen them executed? I think that was a whole course I took in an undergraduate at one time, 1031 exchanges. So I'll do it as quick as possible. So what a 1031 does is it allows you to sell a building and defer the gain on that building if you buy a replacement building. There's a lot of minutiae in the regulations, the timeline and deadlines. But to keep it simple, if you have a, a building and sell it, rather than paying taxes at that point in time, you can defer the taxes by rolling it into a bigger building and having a different tax basis in it. So if you keep rolling it forward, you can accumulate wealth by deferring the taxes and you take that tax money and have that work for you. But again, there's a lot of specifics with regard to 1031, so it's not as easy as saying, I have a property I'm selling, I'm going to do a 1031 and buy a new property. There's a lot of things where you have to have a third party involved holding the money. There's a lot of minutiae that you have to take care of. But it's a great code section to defer taxes and roll properties forward into a bigger property. You host these events called the Alloy Academy. These events are extremely well attended. You get the top speakers and you have them at the best location. The food spread is extremely impressive to say the least. How did these get started? It was just something I decided to go to, decided to do probably about four or five years ago, where I came back from a managing partners conference. Another firm was doing QuickBooks seminars. So I came up with the ideas, how about we do that in our area? So when we originally started this, we were doing monthly QuickBooks seminars for our clients and third parties, saying, here's how you do QuickBooks and doing accounts repayable, because there's a lot of clients that have questions. And what we thought was, if we help our clients and third parties with QuickBooks, that would make our time more efficient in the office. So we just started with QuickBooks, but frankly, we were running out of topics with QuickBooks, so we expanded it to third parties coming in and doing talk. But what we find is we have these seminars that we do one in Hamilton, one in Cherry Hill every month, 
uh, numerous different topics. Some of them is cloud accounting uh, alternatives to QuickBooks. We bring third parties in. It's complimentary. It's us giving back to the community, giving back to our client base, and it allows us to showcase our people in the office, and we become a resource for our clients over lunch and building the relationship with our clients and third parties. One of the things that stuck out to me was that Alloy doesn't charge any fees to attend these events. Have you found a return on investment by providing massive value to the local business community? I think the answer to your question, not really. I probably don't want to. What I think it's an opportunity to showcase my staff. I know it's an opportunity for my professional staff to grow and do presentations in front of small offices and small gatherings. But it allows me to give back to the community. And we've gotten clients out of it here and there, but it also allows people to give us a call when they need something. One of the things we were, I didn't mention this previously, but one of the things we're about to bring out that we just started is a, a lender hotline where you know, a lot of times I will get phone calls from a banker who's going before a loan committee that has a financial statement that another accounting firm or somebody's done or a tax return that somebody's done and the banker doesn't know why the numbers or the information is on the return or financial the way it is. And the banker may sit there and say, hey, look, I don't want to go in front of my boss or loan committee and look like a person's ass. So what happens over the years is I get phone calls and said, hey, Ren, can you tell me why somebody would do this? Can you tell me why somebody would do that? So uh, I guess in the last few weeks, we came up with a lender hotline where lenders can pick up the phone and call me or one of my staff people, and we can just be available as a resource. So I think over time, when you're available as a resource like we are to lenders like we are at Alloy Academy, eventually that could evolve into more business. Yeah, that's not the primary reason, but we've been in the South Jersey community and been around for 60 years. We're not going anywhere. So I think giving back to the community, when you don't worry about making money on something, you make a lot of money because you're not money motivated. You just have to take care of the client and do what's right for the client or potential client. Honestly, anyone in the South Jersey and Philadelphia region should seriously come check out these events. They're free. And Ren, where can people find and register for these events? If you go to AlloySilverstein.com under resources, the events are listed and everything, um, all future seminars are listed there. Or if you, within Alloy Silverstein, join our email newsletter blast, our monthly newsletter or emails go out announcing these uh, events for Alloy Academy. Thanks, Ren. So it's really our website is the best spot. Okay. Thanks, Ren. Yeah, this has been great. How can people get in touch to learn more about Ren and what the firm offers? They can really just call me at my office at 856-667-4100. I answer most of my calls or all of my calls. You usually hear back from me within an hour unless I'm playing golf, and then it's after I finish playing golf. But the big thing is if you call, you'll hear from me. And if you go to com, my bio is there and my email is listed there. Thanks. All right. Is Alloy on any social media? 
We are on all kinds of social media. We're Alloy Silverstein CPAs, Alloy Cloud Services. We're on Instagram. Uh, most of that is listed at AlloySilverstein.com. Perfect. Thanks again. So feel free to give Ren a call at that number, visit him on the website, or one of the various social medias. Ren, thanks again. We seriously appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. I appreciate um, the interview. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If there are more topics you would like to hear about, you can email us at info at bluecollaryields.com. For more episodes, you can search Blue Collar Yields on Apple Podcasts.